0: Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, as you turn there, I got a question for you. Does anybody in here ever laugh at the most inappropriate times? Could you just raise your hand or point somebody out that you know does that? Man, listen. No matter what happens around my house, if I get hurt, one of my kids stub a toe, my precious wife, man, she can't help but cackle, and she'll tell you that. Man, she will lie. You can walk into the kitchen, you got blood poor man, and if it's me, she's she's cackling, right? And man, I, I've learned that from her as well, and I do that too. I'll never forget a wedding that I performed at First Baptist Church, Sevierville, and if it was it was of a buddy of mine who was the local pastor, and um, anyway. It was the night before the wedding, the rehearsal. And we just walked through the wedding just a couple of times just to make sure everybody knows where to stay and you know how it goes. And I'll never forget that night, as we stood at the back of the church, he had shared with me that he had bought himself a brand new pair of shoes. And uh, I mean, they were, they were a good looking set of dress shoes, okay? And so we walked towards the stage and I entered the stage and, and I kinda went from the carpet to the, to the wood staging area And I turned around in the middle, and he stepped from the carpet to the stage. And church, I'm going to tell you, for the next five minutes, he fell. Uh, He... For the next five minutes, he jerked, he twisted, he turned, he tried to catch himself. And I was standing there with my Bible, and all I wanted to do was love Jesus and love God and not laugh. But I watched this train wreck happen for like five minutes. And and I'm going to tell you, I could not help but laugh. I could not help, he could have died on the floor that day and it would have been okay, I just couldn't stop laughing. And I thought, okay, I finally got myself together. We picked him up off the floor. After finally five minutes, he bit hard on the floor and we laughed and then we went on. And then it struck me, we're gonna have to do this again. We're gonna have to run through this again because we exit and we practice coming back on stage. So jokingly, I get to the back of my, hey man, listen, First, go around a little tough. Just remember, it gets a little slick up there in your fancy shoes. I kid you not. The second time we get up on stage, the minute that boy's feet hit the stage, he took the falling again. And this time, listen, I had no control, no self-control at all. I am laughing out loud and crying, right? As he's still falling all over the stage. And then we pick him back up and without question, going into his wedding day, he was the sorest he's ever been, right? And it's just in those moments where you're not supposed to laugh, just watching somebody get hurt just a little bit. Makes you feel a little bit better about life, right? And gives you something to laugh about. You know, the truth is, is that, man, there's a whole lot to laugh about in life. But you know what? There's also some hurts and some hurting that really isn't that funny in there. There's parts of life that there's hurts and there's hurting that's just... There's no humor to be had. You know, throughout this series, The Gospel at Work, we've watched some incredible things over the past few weeks. We've watched Philip as he's gone from catching the courage of the gospel and Christ in him to chasing chariots, to watching Jesus capture the lost cause in Saul, and watching Saul's new faith cause some chaos, some really good and godly chaos in the lives of other people. But you know what, there's a side Of the gospel at work that sometimes goes unnoticed or seemingly forgotten by you and me if we're not careful that is when the the gospel is at work we know this to be true there is hope for the hurting hear me church when the gospel is at work there is hope for the hurting here's the truth here's the reality today all of us are either hurting in some way or we have known some type of hurt in our life. We've been hurt in some way or another. We may look okay, but many of us are not. We we may learn to cope, to disguise, to hide that which hurts the most, but we're guarded, we're careful not to disclose our hurting too much so that we don't open ourselves up to even more hurt. But one of the things that I've been convinced of, and we're gonna see in scripture today, that the greatest enemy to your hurt and my hurt Is the hope that we have in Jesus the greatest enemy to our hurting is the hope that you and I have in Jesus when the gospel is at work without question there is hope for the hurting now hurting comes in many different levels in our lives right there's the physical side of hurt where something hurts us physically and oftentimes that's a pain that can be seen there's the emotional type of hurting, when your heart is broken and and those wounds are not so easily seen. There's the, the spiritual hurt that comes at times that impacts our faith greatly, but here's where we find ourselves today in Scripture. No matter where you are hurting, we are reminded that there is hope today for the hurting. Watch this in scripture in Acts chapter nine, beginning in verse 32. Now we've had some issues with this thing today. We'll see if I can get her to work. But watch what it says here. We catch up with Peter, right? We go from Saul to Peter. It says, as Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people, the church, who lived in a region called, in a place called Lydda. In a place called Lydda. What's amazing is, is as we watch these stories unfold in scripture, these events that take place, Scripture teaches us a lot about the events going on in our lives together. And here's one of the things that we begin to see here in this portion of Acts. And here's a truth that I want us to cling to today. You ready? That our hurting is never hidden from God. Hear me, church. Your hurting, my hurting, is never hidden from God. Never once is it hidden from him, our hurting never goes unnoticed, never uncared for, never unseen, never overlooked, never ignored. In fact, we're reminded in scripture, one of my favorite passages here in the Psalms, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. So listen, God is never more near than when you and I hurt. It's almost as if God has a soft spot in his heart for those who are hurting. And he alone can save those who are crushed in spirit. And here's what we find in Acts chapter 9. You ready? We find that a man by the the name of Aeneas, that his hurting wasn't hidden from God. Watch what scripture says here. That as Peter traveled to Lydda in verse 33, there he found a man by the name of Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. You know what's amazing is oftentimes we consider the miracles in the word of God and neglect to see the misery that was experienced by so many before miracles were a part of their story. We're sure, listen, when it comes to Aeneas, we don't know a lot about his story except for what scripture gives us here. And there's two things we don't really know. Number one, how he got that way. How he became veteran and how he was paralyzed for eight years. And the second thing we don't know is whether he had faith in Jesus or he lacked faith in Jesus. But here's something I'm reminded of. Although we don't know his story, God does. And his hurting has never been hidden from God. Imagine it. Here's what we do know eight years paralyzed and bedridden. Apparently, he had known what it was to walk to move about freely, to run, to play, to be independent. And for eight years, 2,920 days, all he knew was his bed and the need for others to care for him. In all those years, imagine the helplessness, the hopelessness. Yet his hurting was never hidden from God. I can imagine the physical hurting that he dealt with, the sores, the the muscle spasms, the atrophy of his muscles. I can imagine the emotional hurting that he wrestled with as he was coming to grips with this new normal that was forced upon him either by accident or disease. I can imagine the spiritual hurting that comes about at the hands of a religion that would say this, because something bad has happened to you, you have done something bad. What a flawed mentality. What a, what a failed view of God. And yet that is what he faced in his culture and his community by the hands of religion that day. Imagine the spiritual hurting. When very well, his paralysis, his bedridden nature, more than likely wasn't even caused by his sin. Just the product of living in a fallen world. I think of Aeneas. I think of his hurting. And it wasn't hidden from God. His hurting didn't go unnoticed, uncared for, unseen. It wasn't overlooked. It wasn't ignored by the Lord. And then I think here in Acts chapter 9, I think of Tabitha's story. I think of her hurting. And as I begin to see this played out, her hurting didn't go unnoticed by God. Either Watch this in scripture in verse 36 now in Joppa, which is 12 miles away from where Aeneas was in Joppa There was a disciple named Tabitha in the Greek her name was Dorcas now both these names mean uh, Gazelle in different languages. She was also doing good and helping the poor in verse 37 about that time she became sick and she died and her body was washed and placed in the upstairs room now, Lida was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lida, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and the other clothing of Dorcas, or Tabitha, that she had made while she was still with them. Man, what a heart-wrenching scene here in Scripture Here was a beloved believer. She was called a disciple. She knew and she followed after Jesus. And so some of the questions that may come to the top, to the surface here, is shouldn't she be shielded from tragedy because she was faithful to Jesus? Hey, shouldn't sickness just leave her because her faith in Jesus was so strong? Imagine the physical hurting of a sickness that ultimately ended in killing of her body. Imagine the emotional hurting she experienced, realizing that she soon would die and leave the one she loved the most and seeing that type of hurt in their eyes as well. Imagine the spiritual hurting that she might have gone through as she was contemplating her very own death. But in Acts chapter nine, Tabitha's sickness, even her death, her hurting was not hidden from God. It didn't go unnoticed, uncared for, unseen, overlooked or even ignored by the Lord. Church, I want you to hear me. Our hurting is never hidden from God. In the Kendall household, you know, we got four young kids running around the house. Every day we have boo-boos. Every day in our house, boo-boos would be to have because my kids run around everywhere and they fall and they run into things every day. It's unbelievable. There's two things that kisses boo-boos that fixes all of them, you ready? Number one, Band-Aids. And yes, this is of the princess variety because I have three girls and they will not wear a Band-Aid. Listen, they could be bleeding to death. They are not gonna wear a Band-Aid that doesn't have a princess on, it's unbelievable, right? And so when I'm gushing and I have a wound, I wear princess Band-Aids. Anyway, Band-Aids fix a lot of things, but you know what they need the most? Mom or dad, To kiss the boo boo. I don't know what it is. The healing powers of kissing a boo boo. You know what's amazing is that really it's neither one of those. It's not the band aid that starts the healing process for our kids, or it's not really even us kissing the boo boo. You know what helps my kids heal when they're hurting? Is me or their mom being in the room. It's amazing we could be watching TV I could be outside on the smoker cooking some meat we could be out in the yard and the minute one of my kids cry out in pain immediately our attention is grabbed now here's what I do I listen for what kind of cry it is right because I know of my kids there's I need attention kind of cry or I need my sibling to be punished kind of cry and then there's the cry like I have an appendage that's laying over on the other side of the yard, right? So we try to decipher what kind of cry it is, but the minute my kids are hurting, immediately my attention is grabbed for them. And you know what we always do? We run to where they are, and oftentimes we find them running towards us. And you know when their healing starts? Is when they're in our arms. And you know what we do? We hold our kids until it doesn't hurt anymore. And I stop and I think about this conversation of healing. That no hurt is hidden from God. And and I think, isn't that exactly what Jesus does for us? Isn't that how he loves you and me when it hurts? When hurting is a part of our our story and our lives. Can I teach you and remind you of what the greatest enemy is? to our hurting is, you ready? The greatest enemy to our hurting is the hope that we have in Jesus. The greatest enemy to our hurting is the hope we have in Jesus. Remember what Jesus reminded all believers. He would say this, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, now watch this, here on earth you will have trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome The world, hey, aren't you grateful a passage in here is just like this is in the Bible? Because you know what? If we were a believer and we thought because our faith was so strong or because we were so good in Christ that nothing bad would ever happen, you know what? All of us would be wrecked in here because all of us have known trials. All of us have known sorrows. And I'm so grateful that Jesus reminds us, hey, by the way, it's part of it. He doesn't say, you might have trials and sorrows. He doesn't say, well, maybe. Ah, there's a 50-50 chance you're gonna have some trials. You will have trials and sorrows. But he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus is uniquely qualified to heal our hurting, to fix what is broken, to make crippled men walk, and to breathe life into bodies that have died. And you know what? We see that played out here in Acts chapter 9. Watch this. Where is Aeneas' hope? In verse 34, Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. And the boy did. Where did his hope lie? In Jesus, I I think it's Tabitha's story, and watch this. In verse 40, Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and he prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. Isn't it amazing that in the midst of all of this hurting, the greatest enemy to any of the hurting we've seen is the hope that we have in Jesus. Here's a note that I often think of. Here's something that often crosses my mind. While Aeneas was healed by Peter, there were undoubtedly men and women, boys and girls in that community who still were crippled. Who didn't run across Peter's path that day. And long after he had left for Joppa to be with Tabitha, they were still crippled. I think it's Tabitha's story. And though she, now she lives again, how many people in Joppa died that day? How many people in Joppa will have died in the next few days who did not know what it was to be brought back to life? What well, was their hurting? Their hurting was it hidden from God? Was it that they were loved less by God? And the answer's no. You ready? Their healing would just look different. Their healing would just look different. Heal a crippled man so he walks again and he will still grow sick one day and old one day and die. Bring a woman back to life who has died and she will still die again. These miracles serve to point the people that day in Acts chapter nine to the very one, to the very person who is the hope in every bit of our hurting, and that's Jesus. It's the promise that we find in Jesus that it won't always be this way. They gave us a glimpse of how Jesus will heal all hurts, one day. John chapter 16, verse 20, I love it. The Bible says, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. You know what? I think I could get all of us bought in on the idea that in heaven one day when we are face to face with Jesus, it won't hurt anymore. It won't hurt physically, praise God. Emotionally, there will be no more brokenness, no more hurt. Spiritually, our faith has become sight. We won't hurt anymore spiritually. But what about today? What about what hurts right now? What about what lies before him that's just hurting today? Is there hope for my hurts today? Today? I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And you're like, what? Who goes there for, you know, a healing type sermon? Listen, I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach. If you've not heard it, back in Daniel, we had this old prival king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. He built an image of gold to himself and said this, when the band strikes up, everybody in the kingdom's ordered to bow down and to worship this image I've set up before the people. And if they don't, they'll be executed. Well, the first time comes around, the band begins to strike up, and all of the kingdom bows down on their faces before this image that old King Nebuchadnezzar set up. The only problem was three Hebrew teenagers by the name of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow. Why? Because they loved God. They loved God's word, and they realized this, that there was no one on the planet worth bowing to except for God and God alone. Well, the king's fury raged against these three Hebrew teenagers. And in fact, it was so, he was so upset, so angry that he ordered a fiery furnace to be heated to the most it could be. He ordered the soldiers, throw them boys in there. Now listen to a great speech. They would say this, that our God is able to rescue us. But even if he doesn't, O king, we will not bow down. But imagine when they felt the fire. As they approached the furnace, and God had yet to rescue them. Imagine the gut punch it must have been for those three Hebrew teenagers who knew God could rescue them the moment they were thrown into the flames. But then I think of the most amazing part of that story, is that as they looked inside, they saw those Three Hebrew teenagers walking about and one like the Son of Man walking with them. And I'm reminded of that story because you know what God didn't do? God didn't take them out of the fire. God didn't rescue them before the fire. Here's the beauty of that passage. That God got in the fire with them and walked with them there. And the fire did not destroy them. And you know what? I think that's exactly what he does for us. That Jesus hops in there in our hurting. He doesn't always take us out of the hurt. He doesn't always take away what's hurting us. But he hops in there with us. And he walks with us. And there's where the healing begins. That's where the healing begins. I love, I have a dear friend, Jerry Hyder, Jerry Bear Hyder, at First Baptist Church of Sevierville. And he wrote an article on what happens when life just, just ain't fair. And I love this quote from that. I'd just like to read it to you. In conversation of our hurting, and the greatest enemy of our hurting is the hope we have in Jesus. He says this, the comfort we are seeking isn't found in finding answers to all of our questions. But it is personally seeking and experiencing God's presence in the midst of the heartache. Isn't that good? That's where healing is found. Knowing that he's in our hurting with us. And here's two truths that we know that lies at the very heart of him being with us. Number one, that God never wastes your pain or your hurting. He never wastes it. Is that right, Brother Jason? Never does he waste it, and God will never allow your pain and hurting. He'll never allow it into your life without a purpose. Never. Hurting, pain, suffering, and tragedy are a part of every story, experienced by every life. In fact, hurting, pain, suffering, and tragedy, they are a part of God's story too, aren't they? Jesus, God's son, suffered torment, torture, and tragedy on the cross so that he could be the hope for our hurting. God did not waste Jesus' pain. Jesus' pain had a purpose. And by the way, so too does your hurting so too does our hurting i love this in hebrews chapter 12 it frames it up for us so well let us fix our eyes as the author of hebrews would say on jesus the author and finisher of our faith who watch this for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God and you watch as Jesus turns this hurting thing upside down that in the very hurting that Jesus experienced there was great joy and you ask the question what was that joy what it all could bring about joy in the midst of such hurting that was the cross of Christ you ready you were his joy I was his joy saving us for more than even just a crushed spirit, but saving us from a lost spirit. You were his joy. I was his joy. And you know what this reminds me as I look to even God's story and I see tragedy and hurt and pain and sorrow. It reminds me that we are to never lose hope in our hurting to never lose sight of Jesus, who we should fix our eyes. There is hope for the hurting today. It will not always be like this. I love this glimpse into heaven we have in Revelations chapter 21, verse four. If you've been around the church scene at all, you've heard this before. Now watch this. A glimpse into heaven, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Wait, listen. And there shall be no more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. And guess what he's doing? He's making all things new. But isn't that incredible? I I can't wait for this day. But what about today? Can I tell you something? You don't have to wait for Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 for Jesus to wipe the tears from your eyes because guess what? He's really good at doing that today. He's really good today at wiping the tears from our eyes when it hurts the most for you and for me. So in the midst of all of this, We've uncovered in Acts chapter 9 two great truths. Number one, that our hurting is never hidden from God. And and so can I challenge you with something? Stop trying to hide it from him. Stop trying to hide the hurt. As if you could anyway from him. Bring it to him. Expose it to his light and watch the greatest enemy to all of our hurting. Hope in Jesus. Watch Jesus hop in to your hurting and watch the healing he brings. He does it every time. And he is so good at it. And what I love is this story ends is that we recognize that our hurting and our pain always provides a platform to point every Aeneas, to point every Tabitha, every person who is hurting to Jesus. So we see Jesus bring about physical and emotional he- healing. But watch this in scripture in verse 35. After Aeneas, it says this, and all the residents of Lida and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. I love that phrasing used three times in the book of Acts um, by Luke. It's a reminder that turning to the Lord means giving your life to him. is healing, but also Aeneas' hurting for so many years was a platform. His pain was a platform so that Jesus could bring spiritual healing to so many. I think of Tabitha, who suffered in disease. Listen to this. She tasted death, only to be called back. We look at the story of Lazarus, and well, how cool is that? Lazarus come forth. Guys, what a raw deal. He died, was already okay, and had to come back just to die again, right? I just look at these and I go, man, listen, there's so much good in this. We're still telling a story, but Tabitha, man, she's alive. And then at some point, she's gonna sit down with a cup of coffee and go, wait a second. I gotta go through that again. But here's the kicker. Both Lazarus and Tabitha had already learned the lesson that Jesus is enough that he is always their hope in hurting. And as we see this played out in Joppa, watch this in verse 42. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. You know what's amazing about our pain and our hurting? God never wastes it, and there's always purpose in our hurting, and part of that purpose is always a platform by which you can point other hurting people the only hope we have and that is Jesus Christ you know I was uh I do a I do a preaching calendar for the entire year and that way I have some direction on where on Sunday mornings and on Wednesday nights we go this is my man gonna do my underscoring and that way we know so for the whole year I have mapped out where we're gonna be in Scripture and then joyfully change it as God moves our heart this Sunday was a hard Sunday for me because would I, I say in Acts chapter nine, that last paragraph, where it talks about just Peter and Aeneas and Tabitha. But what much could we glean from that? And so really, Monday I sit down and I look at scripture and man, I just camp out there. I don't look at any commentaries because I have the greatest commentator of all on the Holy Spirit inside of me and I just pour over scripture. And then on Tuesdays, I slowly invite in the, the commentaries and all that learning and all that good stuff. But man, at no point was I comfortable this week. I really, today I wanted to move on to Acts chapter 10, which will be in next week, right? Where we get the two greatest things in all of history. Salvation and bacon. Can't wait to tell you how, okay? That's where I wanted to go today. But man, I just, I just couldn't get off my heart that I needed to be here. And I've struggled literally all week. Typically by the time I preach Wednesday night in our service, my sermon for Sunday is done. I will have poured 15 hours into just studying, cutting things away. And I just, I love the process. I just love it. But by the time Wednesday night came, <laughs> I thought, I need to fake a sickness Sunday. Just nothing is fresh in this. I, you know. And then Thursday came. I was sitting in my office and I was finishing things up looking towards Sunday going Lord why would you have me preach a message about hope for the hurting like you get that and then I get a phone call other pastors in our community and friends that uh, and my friend Brooke's been in an accident and the last that I'd heard that they were trying to revive her there at the scene here's what I know about Brooke she's the strongest lady I know she could beat me up with her pinky okay she's a wrestler and she is small but I promise you she could whip me I worked with her at the track when we were in high school together my her husband and me we played on the same flag football team for years she always brought this ginormous jug of hot chocolate out there every Panama City I'd preach her first Sevierville every engagement Man, Brooke was there. Every, every year at Christmas, even when we were in Charlotte, she'd send us a Christmas card. She'd come and visit just to, just to encourage us. When we were at the lodge and before we planted this church, there were Brooke and Mike just coming to love on us. I got the call, she'd been in an accident. And here she is right here. There's Brooke and Mike. Man, how I love them. Well, after that first phone call, came the second. she died the water was such that the ground and the dirt just gave way and with it a tree that fell across the road in Wears Valley and as she sat right next to her husband Mike the tree crashed into the vehicle they were riding in and although he tried to her out and save her life she's gone so I went to the hospital and uh, talk about hurting here's this stronger than life woman who I, I told him if Brooke would have saw the tree coming she probably would just grabbed it out of the air and thrown it to the side but she didn't see it coming here's this young lady, and she lays there in a hospital bed and here's this hurting family all around her. Anthony, what do you do in times like that? You ready? You go in there and you hug people and you cry and you hurt with them. Scripture's clear. We are to weep with those who weep and we rejoice with those who rejoice and you just go in there. But can I tell you what's amazing about a scene like that that is so tragic? Her brother Colton comes here At church, and I walked into the room where he was, and here's this big strong man weeping. He just lost his sister. I hugged him, and he looked at me through the tears and said, Anthony, I want you to hear me. I said, Cold money, somebody he said, I know where she is, I know that my sister's okay, she's with Jesus. that whole time that we stayed at the hospital when Mike all I could do was hold on to him a grieving husband do you know what brought peace amidst all the tears and the hurting? the hope of Jesus that it won't always be this way and that at the moment Brooke had no idea all she knew, she was riding on a bus, and the next moment, she's standing before Jesus. I told him, before she even blinks in eternity, you'll all be there. But we have a lot of blinking left to do here on earth. And so as I spent time over at his house, I can't imagine, l- listen, man, losing my sweetheart. I just, I can't even. Gosh, I hope I go first. She's so much stronger and better than me. I, she'll be all right. I just couldn't hear. I'm holding my buddy who's lost his wife at such a young age, and in the midst of all of this hurting, there's hope in Jesus. Mike's hope, Colton's hope, her daddy's hope, her sister's hope is in Jesus. I remember I was texting Mike this morning, and I said, "Hey, buddy, just uh, I knew he was going to go to church." At, their home church first severe a great church. I said, Mike, I'm praying for you. This morning's gonna be hard. Just let people love on you. And you wrote back, just please pray for me. There's so much I don't understand. Please just pray for me. He's hurting. He's hurting. You know what's amazing? Mike's hurting is not hidden from God. And the greatest enemy of all heart is the hope we have in Jesus. And on Thursday, we're going to celebrate Brooke's life over first Sevierville. Because not only is she my friend, she has a great family. She's a fourth grade teacher. And there's a classroom that will go back to school without Miss Sampson. She was a Sunday school teacher at my home church first back to Sevierville. And they're gonna go to Sunday school today for the first time without Miss Brooke. And there's a lot of hurting people, but I promise you this in Brooke's story, that her pain, this hurting that this family has known, has become a platform to tell people about Jesus. And I'll close with this. I watched a news report about Brooke's story in the tragedy. And they interviewed one of her students, a precious little boy with autism. And he talked about how precious his Miss Samson was. How patient, how kind, how much he learned, even subjects he hated. And the very end of that clip, they closed that clip out with the ending of a prayer of his. And here's what he said. "And hey God, I thank you for Jesus dying on a cross for me. And thank you for sending Miss Samson to me and I thought hey what would it be if all of us no matter how our death comes about if we were the answer of prayer for so many who needed to know that Jesus is real and that Jesus works that God had sent Brooke to him what a blessing I think of the ones that are in this box, the names of people who are far from God, but close to me and you. And who knows, just maybe, just maybe, our hurting, our pain might be a platform to point a world that is hurting to Jesus. Let's pray together.